0: Welcome to the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here on GPB and GPB Media, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. Be sure to save us on your favorite podcatcher, and rate us heavily. 80 gajillion stars on iTunes. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. And so, of course, that means it is the end of the football season after about a week and a half. Added couple of days. Tremendous action at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I am John Nelson here in Atlanta, along with me, compadre Tommy Palmer in the borough, who sounds a little funky because, sir...
1: (laughs) Because uh, there has been a little... Moldering in my building, and I really can't get in my building, and I'm not at my studio. Can't get in my office. Best laid uh, plans of mice and men, as they say. We had this one scheduled, John, but I'm not in my studio. I'm on my cell phone.
0: We need, yeah, we need, to, we, need to get, we need to get Smokey Bear over there to help things out, but uh, we'll, yeah. f- we'll figure it out as we go. All right, eight championship games at Mercedes-Benz, and yeah. let's just go ahead and start with day one. And once again, we had the region of doom in single A, Tommy, and it was Clinch County again beating Irwin County in the last game of the year.
1: You know, that is amazing, and it is so difficult. And I say this time and again, and we I think we saw it three times. It is so difficult to beat the same team twice in one year, and this just seems to happen. So next year, Irwin needs to lose the regular there season you go. game, and that will take care of it. So.
0: Hey, now I, I definitely agree with you there. With uh, game number two, I have to give Peach County and Chad Campbell an incredible amount of credit because yeah. of how they clamped down on that prolific Cedar Grove offense all day long. But the last play of the game, pretty much a couple of ticks left on the clock. Cedar Grove completes it to all-world wide receiver Jaden Hazelwood beating, uh, beating Peach 14-13.
1: You know, I, that, that just tells you that big-time players make big-time plays. And it's not like it was a secret that the pass was coming to him. But uh, can you imagine just the pain that Peach County must be feeling on the last play of the game? It was an amazing catch. And, uh, it, you know, both, both these teams deserve to win, yep. as did Irwin and Clinch. These are, these are really good football teams we got to see,
0: John. And then game three is actually, I think, still going on. Yeah. And it was the wildest game I've ever been a part of, especially in a game fifteen.
1: I was gonna say the same thing. I've never seen I've I bet you I have done seven hundred high school football games in my life and in my career, but I've never seen anything like this. I've been to four county fairs and several goat ropings, but I've never seen (laughs) anything like this. I'm telling you. It was it was amazing, and I stayed with it, and it was like, my goodness, will this game ever end? But uh, I have to tell you, uh, Bainbridge just played extremely well. Warner Robbins played extremely well, and both of them did their communities proud. They really did.
0: And I think it was uh, teams 8 and 9 to come into the postseason at 5 and 5 or worse to get it to the last game of the year were Bainbridge and Northside. Let me talk about Bainbridge here for a little bit and with everything that they've been through, they come out to that fast start and put Warner Robbins on their heels, and I think that a lot yeah. of folks might have been concerned that they might have put out too much energy, and then Warner Robbins comes back into it because, as Mike Chastain said at the half, don't count out from
1: Well, I tell you what, he really put on a show in the second half. I thought they played very well. Uh, Bainbridge just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, kind of lost their edge there for two or three minutes, and it got back to being a football game again. But you have to really salute uh, Coach Littleton and his his Bainbridge Bearcats because nine times out of ten, when you fall behind like that, uh, you're in big trouble. But they bounced back and took it to three overtimes, and my goodness what a finish unbelievable
0: so of course your quarterback tucks and runs after handing it off most of the day he tucks and runs and gets the score that made the difference in triple overtime and I know that there was a moment that a lot of folks are circling and spot shadowing from that game I would suggest going to Marvin James Facebook page Marvin James from WMAZ TV he caught up with coach Chastain and coach Chastain Mm -hmm. gave the detailed breakdown of what happened with that particular play in overtime so that is your Required viewing for this particular week of the podcast. Go to Marvin James' Facebook page, get the explanation from Mike and get his perspective on what went down.
1: Of course, that would be very fair uh, because he did have a valid point he felt, and he shared it with Marvin. So take a look at it.
0: All right, final game from day number one. We'd mentioned once again about Bainbridge being team number eight. Team number nine was Northside getting into the playoffs at five and five, taking on Lee County. Lee County, all I can use really is the word dominant for what they were able to do defensively against Jaden Daniels and Northside in game four. You
1: know, that is absolutely right. Lee County, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And I'll tell you, Lee County, Boy, they bring the sword. They play some kind of defense. They really do. And Northside Warner Robbins is a very good offensive football team. And uh, Lee County just really put the hammer down defensively. I don't think you can ask anybody to play a better game than than Lee County did. And now they get their reward by playing another game uh, on the twenty second. One of those national games.
0: Yeah, they got a national game against, I think it's Our Lady of Good Counsel from Maryland, and it will be in Leesburg, televised on cable television on the 22nd. So a plus one for Lee County, and obviously you tip your hat to them going back-to-back, and that is it for day number one. Day number two started off. And Athens Academy had a 10 nothing lead against Eagles landing Christian, but then 44 second-half points, three scores in four minutes. Eagles landing Christian now in rare air as well.
1: I, I went to get a glass of water, and they <laughs> scored three touchdowns. I came back, and I said, what happened so I I missed that little thing in there kind of fill me in a little bit give me the short version
0: Uh, it was just it was short fields and big momentum and then Keaton Mitchell had a long touchdown run and so we got to see how very special really how how prepared the number one seed was in Athens Academy but just how special things are with with uh, Eagles Landing Christian and and Jonathan Guess those three touchdowns and that I think it was three touchdowns in 404 Put them out front and then it was just on from there. But once again, tremendous yeah. effort by the number one seed Athens Academy and Josh Alexander getting to the last game of the year. Jonathan Guess adding a fourth straight title. So now it is West Rome, Buford, and Eagles Landing Christian to pull that off.
1: Yeah. I tell you what, that second game was a shock to a lot of people. Heard County and Rockmart. What a great football game Hurd County played. And and this is one of those situations where you and I have talked about it. It is difficult to beat somebody twice in one year. And I don't think this was one of those revenge things. I think they just went back to the drawing board and said, here's where we messed up in game one. And they corrected everything. That was a smothering defense. That Hurd County put on a powerful Rockmart offense, I thought.
0: Yeah, and in talking to Tim Barron before the finals came up, you know, I asked him, "It's like, okay, you lose to Hapeville Charter, you lose to Rockmart. What was the difference?" And and he had mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing, that they thought it was just going to be given to them, and so they, you know, broke everything down, went back to square one, built everything back up, and when you have a quarterback like Elijah Huzzy and the defense that they had clamping down on that Rockmart offense, that had and once yeah. again another. Prolific offense all season long. You just have to tip your hat to the the Kerbo brothers and to Tim Barron for getting the Duke in game fifteen.
1: I tell you what, John. One of the things that I like about double and triple A football, and you don't see it as as dominant and prevalent as you do in in five and six A football, but I, I really like the fact that they play their best eleven players. You know, it it doesn't matter offense, defense, whatever. They're going to play the people that they think can help them win the game. They don't worry about two platooning and all of this. Uh, They just put their best players out there and, in those classifications, and I like that. I really
0: did. Game three on the day, Blessed Trinity in Cartersville. BT put the pedal down late, 123-9. Uh, and when you have Elijah Green coming back from injury to help out in the backfield, you've got Steel Chambers. You've got someone like a J.D. Bertrand who got you to a Game 15, had an MCL injury. Tim McFarlane, now let me get your perspective on this, and we talked about it on the air. Tim McFarlane kept J.D. Bertrand out of the game because of the MCL injury. So I thought that that was something that was really cool and and speaks a lot to how Tim McFarlane is as a coach.
1: He he did the right thing. Uh, the kid's future is much more important than playing in a state championship game. We all know what that kid can do already. And the thing that I really liked about Blessed Trinity and Cartersville, they're old school. They play old school football. And... uh it it's it's not the prettiest game in town, but I gotta tell you, they get it done, don't they, John?
0: Yep, T Webb coming back for a senior season. I think both teams lose eighteen seniors and it's eighteen seniors, not just eighteen starters, but eighteen seniors right. off of both mm-hmm. of their rosters. I would anticipate that both of these teams will be back for deep runs heading to game fifteen in twenty nineteen, too. I would think so. I don't I don't
1: see anybody Uh, falling off the talent uh, pool. I I really don't. A lot of talent on both of these football teams. And and this was a really good football game. Mm -hmm. You know how it is. I like the I formation and you know the toss sweep and things like that. It doesn't matter what you run as long as you run it really well, and it doesn't matter how you defend as long as you got players over there. So, uh, kudos to Cartersville and Blessed Trinity in a great game.
0: All right, then the last game of the weekend it was Milton and Colquitt and Milton. You go to you go to somebody from Milton and you ask them going into the weekend have you ever? No, I never. Now they can answer that. Yes, they have.
1: Yes, they have, and they played well. They had a great game plan, absolutely no doubt. I don't know whether the extra two or three days made a big difference, but I would bet money that it did yeah. because they really had a good game plan. They didn't get out of what they do, and they didn't have to hurry. They didn't have to you know, be what I would call – you know, throwing it all over the place. But, boy, I tell you what, quarterback's special, isn't he?
0: Jordan Yates, a very special athlete. And they and once again, getting to that whole idea of playing your best 11 players. You had guys like Jordan Davis who were playing on, mm-hmm. a, you know, really getting getting after it there as well. And Cockwood County, once again, gets to the last game of the year, Region 1. And we got a lot of work from the 229 and the 478 and the 912 this year into the playoffs. But once again, I can't say enough about what Cockwood County does as a program. Listen,
1: they're a class program. They they do things right. They're, they're going to be okay, you know, and go ahead and pencil them in. They'll probably be back again next year. A lot of great players coming back off that football team. They do lose some quality players, but let me tell you something. Rush Probst has it built down there. Look for Colquitt to be back in the hunt again next
0: year. I think it was 38 seniors that are leaving Moultrie this go around, but yeah, I think they'll be back with the same amount of seniors next year. Uh, one really uh, broad question, other observations that you have from the the two game, the two days down at the Benz.
1: Well, I, I really thought, and, and you know, usually you have big blowouts, and then you have this and that and the other. But I got to tell you, you know, as somebody who is not <laughs> not uh, normally. Sitting in front of the TV watching eight games in two days. I really enjoyed it. I really thought you guys just did a super job uh, on GPB. It was was a lot of fun. Great games. I I don't know how you can improve on any of the games. I I really don't. I I just thought everything was first class and everybody behaved themselves (laughs) and everything. Turned out well. so I, I thought it was a great two-day event.
0: All right, 100-second warning. A couple of breaking news items before we go for this week. Rich McWhorter to Jackson County. Lee Shaw retires <laughs> at Rabin, and it's now j turn.
1: It is, and Pickens also has
0: yep. a new coach as well. Yep, so, Chris Parker retired.
1: Yep, that will be our uh, formula to look to who's going to be where because – The changes will be coming at the first of the year.
0: And to give everybody a bit of a heads-up, no, we are not stopping the Football Fridays podcast. We're kind of taking the holidays off and wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But after the first of the year, we'll come on and do some single subjects. Tommy will come on and host for some weeks. I'll come on and host for some weeks. We'll be talking to some of the newsmakers, some of the voices of the game, some of the trailblazers, so that way we'll... Keep everybody up to date with what's going on when it comes to everything and on Football Fridays. Before we get in today, I want to encourage you to check out some of the other GPB podcasts, learn more about Georgia's film industry with the credits. Be sure to subscribe to the Better Southerner podcast where we explore Southern culture and the South's contributions to American life. Find both at gpbnews.org by typing in Georgia Public Broadcasting wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and, sh- and save this one as well. Go to GPB Sports Football Fridays in Georgia. Use the quotes at the magnifying glass and your favorite podcatcher, and that's how you get to keep an eye on us every- Every single week, 30 seconds left for this week, my friend. I wanted to wish you and everybody down there in the borough a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We love you and we missed you this season. It'll be good to catch up with you soon.
1: Thank you, John, and Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody and a Happy New Year and
0: uh, uh, be blessed. All love you, brother. The, love you, too. Back, We'll be back in 2019 with some fresh materials. Sean Powers, as always, in charge of the ones and twos. Thanks, everybody, here at Georgia Public Broadcasting for a great 2018. Play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next year.